0: This is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, speaking here in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straitened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth? I tell ye nay, but rather division. Wow. Wow. I can guarantee you, there's a, not this, these verses right here, not, there's not a lot of this preaching going on. And I, I'm going to explain to you what he's, what he's talking about. Because in verse 51, he says, suppose you that come to give peace on the earth. And we automatically go to that. Well, I, I thought he promised us peace. Yeah, he promised the believers. Notice he says, suppose you that come to give peace on the earth. That peace is not for non-believers. That peace is not for people living on That peace is for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You want peace? You've got to have Jesus Christ. You don't want peace? Don't get Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Suppose you that come to give peace on the earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five and one house divided. Three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I want to preach a sermon this morning called God is a home wrecker. God is a home wrecker. Heavenly Father Lord, I just thank you so much Father for being a home wrecker. And, Lord, as we go through your word, we'll understand more of what I'm trying to talk about, Lord. And, Father, it's evident, Lord God, that you come into a man or a woman's life, Lord God. And sometimes it doesn't go as well as they thought it would, Lord God. And some people turn on them, Lord God. And, Father, I pray you give them grace and strength and mercy, Lord God, to be able to deal with that, Lord. But, Father, first and foremost, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will move among us, leading, God, and directing us, Lord God. And if there's somebody underneath the sign of my voice that doesn't know if they were to die, they'd go to heaven, Lord God, that they don't know for sure if they've ever received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father, and bowed their head and prayed and asked you to save them, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we give the invitation later on, Lord, they'd come on down the aisle and get saved, Lord God, and I thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ that saves us, and I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, I know when I said God is a homewrecker, some of y'all probably bristled a little bit because it sounds like, because we know growing up I mean, growing up, uh, my, people my age, we heard that where she's a wrecker or he's a homewrecker. We talk about they come in here and destroy somebody's family by either cheating on their husband or cheating with them. And we say she's a homewrecker or he's a homewrecker or whatever. Now hardly, people ha- hardly have any families anymore, so you don't hear that term used a lot. But what God's talking about here, what Jesus Christ is talking about here is, is that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a good chance that it's going to wreck your home now in America it's not that bad I don't know very many people that receive Jesus Christ that uh, start living for the Lord that really have a lot of problem with their homes now I do know that I know some people like that I know some uh, just talked to a brother yesterday that he, he, he became a preacher started preaching his wife uh, his ex-wife told him straight out I don't want to be married to you you're not a preacher I don't want to be married to you. and she left him just a vision and that's exactly what Jesus Christ is talking about. I tell you, nay, but rather division. When you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, it's going to cause division. Divisions in your family, division in your friends. You're going to lose some friends. You're going to, you're going to lose some of your family members. They're going to turn on you. But I'm here to tell you right now that's okay. Because Jesus Christ, you're going to find out Jesus Christ is more important than anybody else on this earth. Now, like I said, in, in America, we don't deal with that a lot. But our other brothers and sisters... Because see, they're, 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 there's more. There's Christians that aren't American. <laughs> and sometimes we associate American Christianity so close together because we're so naive here in America. We just think, well, if you're Christian, then you're American. And if you're American, then you're Christian. And it's just not true. I'm going to read you, this happened five, five days ago, guys. Before I, I, this happened five days ago. Before I got this sermon together, I didn't even know this, I, this. This report says Ugandan, that's over in Africa, Christian attacked by Muslim brother with machete for standing with Jesus. That's why I'm preaching on on Wednesday nights. This guy's name was Kijwala. Kijwala said his family had warned him about listening to gospel music or claiming that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. That's all he did. He listened to some gospel music. He claimed that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. This is what happened to him. He told the media outlet, he had been listening to a Christian radio station earlier that day, and his brother came along and said, are you still a Muslim? Or or, are you you now a Christian? He said, are you a Muslim or are you a Christian now? This is what this brother in Christ said, Kijawala. This is how he answered him. He said, I am for Christ. Are you a Muslim? Are you now a Christian? He said, I don't know what you want to call me, but I am for Christ. So his brother pulled a machete out from underneath his long robe he was wearing and struck him on the head with it. The brother walked away, likely thinking he had killed Kijawala due to the wound which caused a heavy amount of bleeding. His own brother pulled a machete out and tried to cut his head off. I think Luke chapter 12, verse 51, 52, 53, this brother understands what Jesus Christ is talking about. God is a home wrecker, And if this brother would have just not received Jesus Christ, everything would have been alright in his household. But the moment he says, I am for Christ, his own brother, like Cain, tries to cut his head off. This is one time, that's just one incident. Kijawala has since gone into hiding, fearing for his life. Well, it's more than that. Earlier this month, a woman in eastern Uganda, same country, who recently converted to Christianity, was recovering in the hospital after her Muslim father and family members attacked her and forced her to drink poison. Her own family took, her own dad, her brother and sister took her, held her down and forced her to drink poison, trying to kill her. Why? Because she believed in Jesus Christ. Her mother had warned her that her family was planning to kill her. Is this this a couple of incidents? Here's the third one. In June, just a couple of months ago, a 70-year-old pastor was killed in Uganda after a group of radical Muslims stopped him and his wife on the way home from a market. This is what they said. They said, you're an infidel who drives Muslims to leave Islam and blaspheme the words of Allah. Today Allah has judged you and they killed him. When they found the guy that killed him, they asked him about killing him and he confessed. He openly confessed that he can't regret that he killed the bishop. He says, I'm not regretting that I killed the bishop because he did it in the cause of Allah's word to kill all infidels who misled Muslims. In January, a mob of radical Muslims killed a man in Uganda one week after he converted to Christianity. But Muslim, but the, Islam is such a peaceful religion. That's what they tell us. They tell us that Islam is a peaceful religion. I'm here to tell you that God is a home wrecker, and that's a good thing. <laughs> I know you don't believe that. I'm not saying that, and in, and in, 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 the Lord knows my heart. I'm not saying that in any way to take away from who God is and what He is and how wonderful and great God is and the peace I have through Jesus Christ. But He is a home wrecker. <laughs> And that brother there would tell you, yeah, yeah, he wrecked my home. My brother tried to cut my head off with a machete. Turn to to, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm here to tell you, that's okay. That's okay. God's working. I'd much rather have Jesus Christ than to have a brother. I'd much rather have Jesus Christ than to have a father. I'd much rather have Jesus Christ than to have a mother. I'd much rather have Jesus Christ than to have a sister. I'd much rather have Jesus Christ than to have a wife. I'd much rather have Jesus Christ than anybody this world could give me. I'd much rather have Jesus Christ than Mohammed. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for my sins. Jesus Christ loved me enough to die for my sins. And when I have Jesus Christ, I have my sins cleared and I have a ticket into heaven. And without Jesus Christ, I have no ticket into heaven. And by far, I know I'm judged. And and to go on even further, I know that not only am I not going to get to go to heaven, I'm going to go to a place called hell. That's a burning lake of fire where I'll be judged for those sins that are on me and in me. So yeah, Jesus Christ is pretty important. My mother couldn't do that for me. My father couldn't do that for me. My brother, my sister, there's nobody else in this world that could take my sins, including Muhammad, and wash them away. The only one who could do that is Jesus Christ. That's why a man, knowing that he's going to have trouble with his family, is willing to stand up and say, I am for Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. God is a home wrecker. I am for Christ. Are you? Amen. That brother said, "I am for Christ." Are you? When your family comes to you, when your co-workers, when your friends that come to you, and they start making fun of you and attacking you, are you going to be able to say, "I am for Christ"? No matter what, I'm for Jesus Christ. Well, God is a home wrecker. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen. What? 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 Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Where does God dwell today? Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says that Christ in you, the hope for glory. That verse tells you right there that God's in every one of us believers. And that he's he's using your body as a temple. What does that tell you? Your body's his home. God's came in, he's living with you. And I done showed you that the Lord God is a home wrecker. So get ready. See, what happens is you become a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. You pray. Sometimes, somehow, you put your heart on Jesus Christ to save you. You're saved. When you're born again that way, the Holy Spirit comes in, and you're born again. You become a new creature in Jesus Christ. Well, Christ is dwelling in you through the Holy Spirit right there. What? know you not. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost starts living in you. And what happens is, is you know there's some things to clean up in this house. Amen? Or you would have never came to Jesus Christ. You know, you've you got to know you're a sinner before you come to Jesus Christ. You've got to be a convict before you're a convert. So you know when God comes in to dwell, you know, well, you know, this whole house has got, some, got a leaky roof. And I know I've got some trouble with the drains. And, you know, you know the Lord's going to fix some things in there. And you're okay with that because, you know, you've got some things to fix. But what happens with the Lord God is you wake up one morning. You get up. You get your coffee, you're drinking and you're walking along, and you're looking up at the roof. You go, like, well, it looks like the Lord's been busy up there fixing that roof. I, I appreciate him doing that. And you're looking at your little house and you hear some noise on the other side of the house. You take your coffee and you walk over there and say, what, what's going on? What's the Lord doing over here? And you come to the door and you open up the door. And about that time, there's about a two-ton wrecking ball comes flying through. Boom! You know. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And the Lord God's not going to let you live like you're living. And you were wanting to live in this little, quaint, little cottage by yourself and everything's okay and God doesn't want to live that way. He's a home wrecker. (laughs) He's going to come in, he's going to wreck it up. See, you want to live in a little bitty house, and you got these dreams of living in this little house. I just had my little cottage, just off by myself. And God says, I don't live in a cottage, son. I don't live in a cottage. Son, I live in a palace. I live in a mansion. I live in a temple. Have you ever looked at that temple that Solomon built for God, that he dwelled in? It's one of the wonders of the world, Everything was gold. Everything was beautiful. Everything was amazing. It was incredible. It was the money. We do not have enough money to build that today. Nobody does. That temple of Solomon. Nobody does. It was incredible. That's what God dwelled in. And it says there in verse 19. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? God's not going to dwell in some little shack. And you're thinking as you come up, you're like, oh, the Lord God, he's going to come in, he's going to dwell in me and everything's going to be okay. Yeah, he's going to dwell in you a little home, but it's not going to be a little home. He's going to do some work on it. He's going to start working some things out, taking some things away, building on here, building on there. And it's going to mess you up and you're not going to like it. Amen. It's not going to be pleasant because you want it your way. But God says, no, I own this. Verse 20. I bought this. I bought this house, amen. Verse 20. Are you reading verse 20? For you're bought with the price, therefore, glorify God in your body. God comes in, takes over, he's living in you, say, like, Oh, praise the Lord. And he's like, Yeah, I'd own you now. I bought you with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to me, I own you. We're gonna clean this thing up. And God starts working, and you're like, whoa. Here's what the problem is. We are so, as human beings, we're so narrow-minded and so simple-minded. And we want we to, I'm going to do something for God. And, and, and we got this idea that I'm going to do this little thing for God. And it's like this narrow-minded thing. And God says, I'm the creator of the universe. Have you went out there and looked at that lately? We're not going to do something little, son. You might have this little narrow-minded thing, what you want to do, what you think you want to do for me. I got bigger plans than that. You think when I walked down the aisle, 17 years old, and put my preacher in my hand and the preacher's hand said, uh, Brother Packer, I want to get saved. I know I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. I want to get saved. You think I ever in the, my wildest dreams could have imagined that I would be preaching? I'd be out at Indian Gap Baptist Church for 15, 16 years. You think I ever in my life, and God says, I got big plans for you, boy. And I was doing okay. I was, I want to teach Sunday school. I'm okay with that. Lord, just let me, leave me alone. I want to be over here. I got these like four or five men in this little room, and we're learning the Word of God together. I'm really enjoying that. And one day, I stepped out, and here comes this big old wrecking ball. Whoosh, right into my life. Just tears everything up. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Don't tear that up. Don't ta- Oh, I just got that set up. We were, it was looking okay. And God says, that's not good enough. We're going to build something really good. And I'm going to do something really good with your life. And then we're going to do something really great with your life. And then we're going to do something really wonderful with your life. And then we're going to do something that you never even dreamed of. I can't believe that. Go out and look at the universe. Look at the moon, look at the stars, and look at the vastness of it and say, that's my creator, God, who's living in me. And I'm thinking I'm going to do something little? Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. God don't work that way. God says, I own you. We're going to do something really good with you. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? I know that when God comes living in me, Here's the simple truth as God is a home wrecker, as He comes and starts living in me, that the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, that for it, what dwelleth in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. So God comes in, and I'm thinking, well, this is okay, Lord, and this is okay, and that's okay. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn a couple pages to the left to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So when God comes in, I think everything's okay. I mean, I know i got a leaky roof. I know i got some problems with the drain. And, but, you know what? By and by, it's okay. I mean, it's not a bad place to live. But the Word of God says, no, it's not. It's, it's filthy. What dwelleth in you dwelleth no good thing. That's your flesh, this body. So when the Holy Spirit comes, comes in here, He's got a lot of cleaning to do. Now look at verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Let's stop there and let's meditate on that. He says, Know ye not that ye ye are the temple of God? Of course, we know that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Let's meditate on that just for a couple of minutes. He's called us twice the temple of God. I mentioned to you how that temple was so incredibly amazing. Y'all read it. If you haven't read it, read it. Read it. I mean, when Solomon's building that thing, it's amazing. It's incredible. The money couldn't buy it today. But what was done at that temple? What was that temple's purpose? God would dwell there. His glory would come down into the Holy of Holies and dwell on the mercy seat, which is about the size of this table here. He'd come and dwell between the cherubim. But what happened there? That's where all the sacrifice to God took place. That's your body now. Amen? Amen? Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth you? That's your body now. Right? That's where all the sacrifice for God took place. At the temple. All the worship for God took place at that temple. All the work for God took place at the temple. God would not allow it to take place anywhere else in the whole area, the whole nation of Israel. And they tried. They tried to move some of it up to another mountain. Read about that in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. They were worshiping God in another mountain. They were worshiping God over here. They started getting their own priest over here. God says, no, I want it right here in my temple. Guys, God wants you to worship right here in your body, right here with you. He's in you. The worship for God, the sacrifice of God is right here. You're a living sacrifice. It's right here in you. That's that temple. Know you not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Wow. Now we're getting threatened to be destroyed. God's a home wrecker. He'll just tear stuff down. He's a wrecker. That's what He does. You have things in your house, brothers and sisters, listen to me. You have things in your house, in your body, that God doesn't like. He's holy. Verse 17. For the temple of God is holy. If there's one attribute about God you don't want to ever forget, it's the attribute of His holiness. He's holy. He's not like me and you, brothers and sisters. Day and night, the Bible says in Revelation, day and night, there's cherubims and seraphims around God. What are they hollering day and night? They're not hollering love, love, love. They're not hollering grace, grace, grace. What are they hollering? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. When those priests had to enter that temple I've been talking about, when those priests entered that temple, they had a plate above their head. You know what that plate said? It was written above their head. Holiness to the Lord. Holy. God's holy. He wants you to be holy. He comes in. We know what dwelleth in us, dwelleth no good thing. He comes in and sees this house. He says, this thing's filthy. And you can't explain it. When God comes in, it's like some of us have bedpans on our... Kitchen table in God's eyes. That's how He sees it. I'm not even talking about your literal physical house, brothers and sisters. I know if I, I've been there, I've knocked on the door and had the people say, Oh, it's a pastor. going hiding hide the beer somewhere, and you'll make sure to get the dirty magazine get off the. I'm not talking about your physical house. I mean, we know the Lord's not happy about that, right? All the trash and nastiness coming in through the TV screen, through the computer screen. Through the, through the music. I, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about your body as a temple of the Holy Ghost. And God's a home wrecker, and He comes into this body. He says, Hey, this thing needs to be holy. So one day in your house, as God's working on it, and He's tearing this wall down, and he's, make, he's expanding that, the Lord walks by, and He looks over there, and He sees a closet. And the Lord looks at that closet, and you get horrified. Because then the Lord looks at that closet and then he looks at you. And you run over to that closet and you say, Lord, there's nothing in this closet right here. It's just, yeah, I just got some old junk and everything. Lord, you don't want to go in there. There's, no, there's, there's nothing in there. And the Lord starts walking up there too. He say, hey, Lord, don't worry about going in there. Lord, I, I've, got, I, I've lost the key years ago. Because you're horrified because all your secret sins are in this closet right here. And the Lord's in there cleaning up. That's what he does. He's a home wrecker. And you're like, Lord... <laughs> You don't really, really don't want to go in there, Lord. That's all your secret sins that you love and coddle and hide from your spouse and hide from your friends. And only you and the Lord know about it, but you don't want to get rid of them because you love them. You love that sin of envy. You love that sin of jealousy. You love that sin of lust. You love that sin that nobody else can see and know about. And you can hide it from all your loved ones, but you have it in that closet, but God knows and God's living in there with you, and God's doing some cleaning, He's going over here, and He sees the closet, and you're like, no, Lord, I don't wanna go in there, and the Lord walks up to you, and the Lord walks right through you, walks right through the door, and you're done for. The Bible says in Romans chapter two, verse 16, in that day when God shall judge the secrets of men, the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's what the Lord does. He comes in and starts wrecking your home. And he comes into places that you don't want him to go to. He gets rid of sins you don't want to get rid of. But that's what he does. And I'm thankful he does that. There's some things the Lord's helped me out with that I didn't want to admit to, that I didn't, want, I didn't want to admit to anybody that I had problems with this. And the Lord would just, it just like prick my heart. about you, know, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be thinking that way. You shouldn't be. And it would just. And he would work on me and he'd clean a little bit and he'd clean a little bit. And then the Lord finally revealed it to me and boom, he just slapped me right in the head about it. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I. And when I would confess it and realize I need to stop doing it, it's amazing how much peace I had, how much better I felt. And the Lord would say in my heart, isn't it just good to do the right thing? Lord, yeah, it's good to be holy. It's good to be holy. We don't like holiness. We don't like holiness until you get with it. Your flesh doesn't like it, but when you, your, your soul, your spirit in you, when it, God comes in and starts cleaning up, you're like, man, I'm starting to like this. For if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That destroy there, he's not talking about destroying you, throwing you down into hell. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is found in Romans chapter 8. And if you want to turn there, I'm going to read it real quick. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, he says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. If you you let this body get its way, you're going to die, guys. Because you're living after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body... The Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, do mortify, kill, not your body, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. It's a spiritual battle. If you can get this body under control, let God clean it up. Let God do what He's going to do through it and get these deeds under control. Kill these deeds. Reckon yourself dead, the Bible says. God can do some amazing things with you and build an amazing thing with you. But God is a home wrecker. He's not going to let you just live in that little cottage and think you're going to get up every morning Drink your coffee. Everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to do anything today that's not going to work that way. Look at, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. God just doesn't work that way. He never has worked that way. God's not lazy. If there's one thing about the Lord God, He's not lazy. He's always working. You realize that when God created Adam and Eve and they were perfect, you know what they were doing in the garden? They were working. They were working the garden. Some of y'all think we're going to get up into heaven and God's going to give us a heart and we're going to be on that cloud just ding, 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 ding. No, we're going to get up into heaven and we're going to be working. God's going to have things for us to do. And when I was sick for two weeks and couldn't get out of my house quarantined, work was a good word. I would do anything to get out. Just, I don't know how people do it. I absolutely do not know how people to sit around and wait for a government check to come in every month. I don't know how people do it. I don't. It just, it's un, its unconceivable to me. I had two weeks of it, and I thought I was going to die. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. God doesn't want you on His welfare plan, brothers and sisters. God doesn't have a welfare plan. Get off the couch and work for Him. He's got stuff to do. He wants to do something. He wants to work. He'll give you some rest. He, rest, he rested on the seventh day, but it's time to work. Verse 9. For we are, we are labors together with God... Ye, talking about Christians, are God's husbandry. You're like a, a vineyard that he's going to get fruit off of. Look at this. Ye are God's building. He's a home wrecker. He's working. He's building. He's going to tear it up. But he's going to build something better. Amen? God might tear your, wreck your home, but he's building it and wrecking it to build something better. Now look at verse 10. according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. God tears down your house. Before it's all said and done, he's laying down another foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And he starts building. And one day, you're laying in bed. And you're just sleeping in like you always done. And God comes up and he, get up, get out of bed. Uh, uh, Lord, I, I, just, I was just laying here uh, just relaxing. Lord, you know, I, I, got in. I, I, I was working real late last night. Lord, I'm kind of tired. Lord, get up. It's time to go work. we got some work to do. We're working on this house right here. Let's get up. Now Proverbs chapter 6 says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. God's making fun of people like that. God says, get up. Let's get to work. You know I'm in here working. I'm building this house. We're going to do something great, and I need your help. You're going to work with me. Verse Verse 10, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereupon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Thereupon, excuse me. Guys, God's expecting you to work. Help him work. God is working through you, God is working through you in Jesus Christ, but you've got work to do. He don't want you just laying on the couch. He don't want you just laying in bed sleeping all the time. Get up and work. You're a master builder. He wants you to be a master builder. As, look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given to me, as a wise master builder. As a builder, you're one of three things. Now, we got some builders in here. I mean, some legit builders that have built some really big buildings in this church. So when I say this, I hope I don't get, <laughs> hope I don't get attacked after church like you don't even know what you're talking about, because I don't. I've never built a house. There's guys in here that built houses. With their bare hands. So now i got their attention. They're staring at me like, what you going to say? You're one of three things when you're a builder. You're one of three things. You're either a journeyman, excuse me, you're an apprentice, then a journeyman, then a master builder. Now, if you're an apprentice, apprentice somebody needs to be shown what to do. You come in, you're new at it, you don't know what you're going on. God's going to bring you in. God's going to say, okay, I want you to start doing this. God says, I want you to start doing that. And it's basically a babe in Christ, somebody who's just born again, somebody who's just becoming a Christian, somebody who's just saved. They don't know what to do. They don't know nothing about the Bible. And God comes in through the Holy Spirit and He says, Man, I'm going to show you this and show you that. And God leads you by the hand, grabs you, shows you, shows you how to use the hammer, shows you how to pick up the, the tool, t- shows you how to do all that. God's showing you all of that. And that's an apprentice. And it's okay to be an apprentice, but you don't want to be a 60 year old apprentice that's been working for 40 years. (laughs) Amen? That gets old. A baby in Christ that's a teenager still having to change his diapers, that's not cute anymore. When they're babies, that's really cute, but when they're 10, 12 years old, it's like, you need to learn how to change. Don't be doing that in your underwear anymore. Amen? Potty train them. That turns into a journeyman. A journeyman is somebody, he can do his own work, but he still has it inspected. He goes over, he might work on this, he might build this wall, he might get up, but he has the master builder come by and inspect it and say, okay, yeah, you did all right there, well, you need to change that. That's not level, we need to get that changed up. And you say, yes, sir, he's under somebody. A journeyman is under somebody. A journeyman's gotten smarter, he's gotten wiser. That's a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians, they go from that, 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 that uh, master building of being an apprentice where they're doing stuff for themselves, where they're trying to learn about the Lord, they, they turn into journeymen where they can, they can open up their Bible, they can find the, the chapters and verses, they're doing a little better. But God wants you to be a master builder. Now, a master builder is one that can do it all. He doesn't have anybody come up here and inspect him because it's done right. That's what God wants out of y'all. God says, I want you to come up, help me build this. You need to look at that, verse 10, master builder. As a wise master builder. He wants you to be a master builder. And you've laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. Let's get something built. Let's do something. He's living in you. He wants to work. He might be tearing some, he might tear some walls down. He might do this. But whatever God's doing in your life, and I don't know how he's doing it, he brings stuff into your life to do it. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it for your good. Amen. You might not believe it. You might be scared by some of the things I've said this morning. Don't be scared. If God doesn't, if you have a big wrecking ball come into your life, whatever that wrecking ball be, it might be illness, it might be financial problems, it might be marriage problems, it might be family, whatever that big wrecking ball comes into your life, don't worry about it. Just stick with Jesus Christ. He's trying to build something better. Amen. Hey, when my when my ex-wife left me, and I was out here trying to preach out in Indian Gap Baptist Church. When God brought this big wrecking ball into my life, I'm like, man, I'm done. This is ruined. This, thing's, this house will never be built again. I'm done. And now 10 years later, I'm like, praise the Lord. He's built the palace for me. I didn't see it. Boy, when that big wrecking ball is coming right at you, you're like, Lord God, what are you doing? Boom. And there goes your house and the walls. And you're like, man, this is, he's a home wrecker. And he said, just calm down. I know I'm wrecking your home, but I'm about to build you a palace. Amen. Amen. Look to Luke chapter 6 in closing. Luke 6. Praise the Lord that he, he cares enough about you to do that. We got, we got a Lord God that cares for you to do that. He could let you live in an old run-down shack. All, he could just save you and get you into heaven and leave you alone, but he doesn't. Why not? Because he loves you. He wants you to be holy like Him. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be better. He wants little gods running around. He wants little Christians running around, little Christ-likes. He wants you running around, and you're not going to get that way in the house you're living in. You're not going to get that way unless He helps you to grow. That's why He comes and lives in you. You belong to Him. Now He's going to do something with you. When God's living in you, what does that say? You're like a little god. Lowercase g. Lowercase g. You represent God. He's living in you. Look at Luke chapter 6. Look at verse 46. And I'm closing. I promise I'm closing. And why call ye me? This is Jesus speaking. Verse 56 of Luke chapter 6. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That's enough right there. We could just close up and go home. (laughs) So many people. Lord Jesus. Jesus. And they don't do anything He says. Verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me, And heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. So you need to come, you need to hear, and you need to do. Cometh, heareth, doeth. It's all about the sayings of Jesus Christ, which you have in your lap. Here it is, right here, guys, verse 48. He's like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. He's building a house on a rock. And we know that rock to be Jesus Christ. And when the flood arose, the string beat vehemently upon the house, and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Amen. And we know out of 1 Corinthians 3, that rock is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. Got it? Amen. But, but, he that heareth and doeth not, don't do what Jesus tells him. It's like a man that without a foundation built on a house Uh, upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Y'all know this story. You know the story of what Jesus Christ is talking about. He's obviously talking about building on himself, on Jesus Christ. But I want to point out in verse 48, in closing, I want to point something out to you. He is like a man which built a house, notice, and digged deep. I never noticed that before. Dig deep. See, in my mind, when I read this parable, I'm thinking that you just there's a rock like out there by the mountain or something, and you go and you build on that top of that rock. That's not what Jesus said. What did he just say? You're going to dig deep. You dig deep and you make a foundation. And these brothers in here that know how to build houses, they know it's all about the foundation. And you're going to dig that, get that foundation, get it where it's supposed to be. Then you start building the house. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Digging deep, that means. What that means is hard work. Amen. It's hard work. I know at work, when we're working, we're doing uh, trimming out. Some of the hardest things we do, we got these pole saws and we're trimming, man, they're up above you. And man, they're just killing your neck, killing your back, killing your shoulders. And I've had some of them brothers t- say to me, at least we're not digging ditches. What does that mean? This, that's, uh, that's the hardest work you could be doing, digging ditches. Jesus Christ said you've got to dig deep. Dig in that ditch. It's hard work. It's hard work, but it's worth it. Now, what I'm trying to say to you is this. Men will dig into the deeper things of sports. Men will dig into the deeper things of history. Men will dig into the deeper things of hunting. Men will dig into the deeper things of history and science and all these things. But it's hard to find a man who will dig into the deeper things of Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you when God comes into you and starts dwelling in you, it's going to be easy. I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you, though, though it'll be very, very satisfying. But it's hard work. When God starts kicking you out of the bed, and you're like, oh, well, no, no, no. You got to start digging deep. And if you'll dig deep into the sayings of Jesus Christ and lay that foundation and say, I'm going to build on Jesus Christ, God says, all right, we're going to build something really 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 nice you're not going to be living in this shack anymore because I'm, to, I'm living with you and we're not living in this shack we're not having this filthy stuff in here it's going to be holy it's going to be amazing it's going to be a mansion it's going to be a palace and you're going to have a really really good time that's what we all want our mansion up in heaven and God says I'm going to build it right here in your body Hello friends this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. upon him